0: Well, good morning. It's good to be here. Like a uh, guy said, we we try and get here as often as we can, but uh, we kind of do some bouncing around. And, and probably one of the most challenging things about being on home assignment is exactly that you you go from one church to the next church, and about every four or five weeks you get back to the church that you really actually want to spend a lot of time with, and <laughs> and it, it kind of drives us crazy. But uh, I want to share. Uh, a message with you that uh, God has really put on my heart uh, during this home assignment and it's it 's really kind of a mess a message of missions uh, not so much our mission but literally the mission of the church but I thought I would begin tonight by sharing a, a little bit of humor with you uh, about missionary life or even more specifically missionary children which we tend to refer to as mKs or missionary kids and some time ago, a bunch of missionary kids sent out a call to their brothers and sisters, who were also missionary children, and said, let's put together a book. And this is one of my favorite books for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's funny. Number two, it's really short, and it has really big words. So for somebody who reads like me, it uh, adds a lot of humor. But the book is called You Know You're an M.K. Win." And it's really designed uh, just to give MKs a good laugh as they kind of look out on their life. And i want to share some of the things in here with you. Probably give you a little bit of an idea of what uh, my children, Ryan and Mark, go through as as we live in Africa. Uh, You watch nature documentaries and you think how good that animal would taste if you fried it just right. (laughs) You have strong opinions on how to cook bugs. I like this one. All black people do not even look remotely alike, nor do all Hispanics or Asians, but Europeans and North Americans are kind of hard to tell apart at first. (laughs) The thought of encountering poisonous snakes, scorpions, wild animals, witch doctors, or armed armed rebel insurgents on afternoon walks invokes responses like, yes, or no big deal. Whereas the idea of driving through, let alone living in a large American city, terrifies you. (laughs) If you're not sure of that one, you can ask my son, Ryan, who's learning how to drive right now. Ah. The sole finally comes off of your favorite pair of shoes, so you go looking for the traveling shoe repairman who will fix them better than new right there on the sidewalk while you wait. If you can't find them, duct tape will fix almost anything. You still feel the urge to fill buckets when the electricity goes off because you know the water is next. Parasites, dysentery, and tropical diseases are not only normal, but also make for great dinner conversations. (laughs) And let me tell you, periodically we have dinner with someone and one of those things comes up and everyone on the other side of the table is going, do we have to talk about this at dinner (laughs) time? You asked. (laughs) It feels weird to stop at a rest stop instead of using a bush or a nearby wall. And your amazement with the softness of American toilet paper is second only to your amazement that it actually tears at the perforations. (laughs) Now, there are 600 of them in here, so if you'd like to peruse this book, just kind of let me know. But, you know, if it was up to me, I'd probably sit here and just open the book and read them all to you. But (laughs) I'm told by my wife periodically that I need to tone down the humor and share something that's real. So. What I really want to talk to you about today is what does God want? And uh, in the grand scheme of things, I would say that I'm still a fairly young Christian. I became a Christian only about uh, coming up on 11 years. Is that right? Just coming up on 11 years. And, and God managed to grab me right away. And uh, five years after we became a Christian, he threw us into missions. And, and we didn't know what was happening. So as I've kind of combed through this book. Um, I think I've kind of figured out what it is that God wants. And the nice thing about it is I think it is not only defensible, but it's really unquestionable as well. And I want to share that with you today. See, my quest has led me to discover that everyone, and I do mean everyone, is called by Christ himself to do three things. Of which he left some really good clues in the Bible, and I want to share those for you with you. So if you have your Bible, if you'd go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. See, God left three clues. And the cool thing about the Bible is he left all kinds of clues. but He left three clues that I think are very specific as to how we're supposed to live life. And the very first one is Matthew 22, verse 37 through 38. And it's real simple. Everyone has heard this verse. You're very familiar with it probably. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It should be real easy to to understand that one. In fact, Jesus taught it throughout his ministry. He modeled it. And then what's really interesting about that is it's the basis for the first four of the Ten Commandments. So you have, do not worship other gods, do not make idols, do not misuse the name of the Lord and observe the Sabbath day. So Jesus obviously knew what he was talking about, right? A long time ago, God laid out these commandments. Jesus said, hey, you need to love God with all your soul and all your mind and all your heart. And then he came back with a second clue for us, which is just right below it. Verse 39, the second half of it is very, very simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that one is even easier to understand, but harder for us to grasp as people, right? And... Again, Jesus not only taught this and modeled it, but then, then now this becomes the basis for the final six of the Ten Commandments. And you come up with things like, uh, honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. So Christ managed to cover everything in just two statements. Clue number one and clue number two. But then he left a third clue. And oftentimes we skip over this one. So in your Bibles, if you'll turn to Matthew 28, chapter 28, at the very back of the Bible, or at the very back of Matthew, comes verses 16 through 20. It becomes the third command. In fact, it was so important, it was literally one of the last things that Christ said to us on earth. And he comes back in verse 16, and he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, there has to be some interesting things about this if you think about it, because first thing Jesus did is he said, I'm going to give you two commands that are very simple. And I want you to remember how important they are, because they're exactly what my father told you a long time ago. Love him and love his people. And then the very last thing he says to us is, go and make disciples. So there has to be a reason for that. And it's really that third clue that I want to share with you today. And I'm posing this very big question. Why should you share the gospel? And I want to give you five reasons. Because, see, one of the things we know as pastors and missionaries is, Probably the biggest obstacle in the way of people sharing the gospel is their own fear. They're afraid that they'll say something wrong. They're afraid that they might be confronted by somebody else. And the challenge I'm going to give out to you is simply this. It's not you. It's Christ that's sharing it. It's the spirit inside that's empowering you to do it. And God promises us that he will give us the words that we need. He will give us the confidence that we need. And what I typically tell people is all you got to do is open your mouth and let the ball start rolling. Because once you take that step in faith, that's when God shows up big. All through the Bible, God is waiting for His people to step out in faith. Until we do that, He just kind of stands there and watches over us and says, Okay, come on, anytime you're ready, I'm waiting for you, are you ready to join me? And then once you join him, he's there with everything he's got to empower you. So I want to share some reasons with you. Hopefully it will empower you a little more. The first clue or the first reason that you should share the Bible is because Jesus commands you to. Now stop and think about this. Matthew 28. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, uh, Dan, if you have a little time, would you mind... uh, Sharing my word. He didn't say, uh, hey, could you drop a line for me every
1: once in a while?
0: He said with a capital G, go. He flat out told them, I'm not going to mess around with you. Go and share my word. He commanded it. And in Ezekiel chapter three, verse 11, it says, and go to the exiles and to the sons of your people and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not. And that is a key verse because here's what God knows. God knows there are people who aren't going to listen to you. He's can't, He's got that figured out. But he's counting on you and me to say something and plant the seed and he'll do the watering. Because the reality behind it is only God can change your heart. But if they don't hear about Jesus, how will their heart ever change? I want to share a, a... Uh, I want to kind of pause here and share with you a video. Hopefully, we're going to have this video. This is our challenge video. (laughs) But it occurs in a village called Sauce in Africa. And I'll kind of set the scene for you. What's happening is there's about 120 people, most of them high school students, who are walking out into a village called Sauce in Africa. They're coming alongside a local pastor, and they're going to build a church from the ground up. Now, what you have to keep in mind while they're doing this, the temperature is about 112 degrees and it's about 95 percent humidity as they're dealing with this. So hopefully we have this. This is kind of a day and outreach uh, in about a minute and a half. <laughs> how you do an entire day in a minute. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: mhm- <clears throat> That's what happens to people in the day. So it's kind of an interesting look at, at outreach. But again, this particular weekend, it's 112 degrees outside, by 95 percent humidity, and not a single kid complained because they're filled with the joy of Christ. They know exactly what's happening. They get up at six o'clock in the morning. they eat breakfast of a piece of bread and, and some jelly. Then they work all day in the hot sun, digging trenches to lay foundations, building bricks. You saw them mixing concrete, doing medical clinics. And then they start about 8 o'clock at night doing an evangelism campaign where they're singing in four different languages and presenting the gospel and showing the Jesus film. And they go until 1 o'clock in the morning and turn around the next morning and get up and do the same thing. And it's amazing to watch their heart and their heart for God. See, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, in biblical times, salt was not just a seasoning; It was also a preservative. And what I truly believe Christ is saying at this point in time is he says he wants us to spice up our world. He wants us to say something and and tell people around us that when they accept Christ, they live a life full of abundance. And not only is it flavorful, But it's a life that is
1: well-preserved.
0: You see, as these students were slaving away in the sun, they were impacting the lives of those around them. And something completely unexpected happened. Suddenly, there were Muslim men, women, and children that were asking our kids, why are you doing this? And as soon as they would say, because Jesus loves you, they began to question their faith and believe in our faith. What we found out about that village later on is about two months after we had been there, the local pastors had inroads to seven other villages that they had never been in before because they were prevented from bringing the gospel in. But because those kids were willing to go out and work and talk and share it opened the roads for the local pastors to get in. That's an amazing thing. Second reason you should share the gospel is because you love the unsaved. You love the unsaved. And if you don't, you should. I mean, stop and think about this. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine says, love your neighbor as yourself. See, the most loving thing you can do to somebody or do with somebody is to share them the gospel in hopes that they will get saved. There is nothing that is greater love than that. See, when Christ was on this earth, he wasn't ministering to the Pharisees. He wasn't ministering. He was ministering to the lost, right? To the people who did not know him. Have you ever stopped and thought about if Christ decided to come back right now, where would he hang out? Would he hang out in a church? Or would he be in a food shelter? Where would he probably be? And that's an amazing thing. You see, he wanted to minister to those who were lost and hurting and they were outcast. And then in Galatians 5.22, it talks about love as being one of the fruits of the Spirit. Because it's love's nature to give. So Christ said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, take for example this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It's love's nature to give. So if you have even a small amount of God's love in your heart, you should want to share the gospel with other people. Okay? Let me tell you a story similar to this one. This was an outreach that we went into about four years ago into a village called Kuta. And it was a main village, and we were doing a very similar project. We were walking into this village to come alongside a local pastor and help them to build a church. So we make all the bricks, we do all the digging, we do everything we could possibly do so they don't have to pay any labor and we pay all the costs involved. And at this particular juncture, we had an opportunity to go to some of the surrounding villages and pray. Our intent was really to go into these villages and do a prayer walk and pray for the people and pray that they would come to the church and that they would welcome the pastors in and things like that. Well, before you can walk into an Islamic village, you really have to think about the culture. And so the culture demands that you would sit down first with the local village chief. So myself and about six other people went in to sit down with the village chief. We told him why we were there. We said we wanted to do a prayer walk and we were going to pray in the name of Jesus. And he was very excited about that because if you know much about Islam, they do believe in Jesus. They believe he was a great prophet. He wasn't the final prophet, but he was a great prophet. So if you want to pray in the name of Jesus, they'll welcome you to do that. So he said, but first I, I want to go get a friend of mine. So he runs and get, brings his friend in. The friend turned out to be the village witch doctor. So here we are sitting across from the chief and the witch doctor. And we spend about an hour talking with them and getting to know them. And finally we say, you know, we'd really like to walk through your village and pray. But we're going to be praying in the name of Jesus. Is that okay with you? And they said, Absolutely. And then we said, Is there anything you'd like us to pray for? The village chief then informs us that the day before we arrived, his wife had died. And he asked if we could pray for her salvation, if we could pray for just their life and his marriage and for healing for him and all that. Absolutely. And then the witch doctor says to us, We've had a terrible famine. We've had a plague of locusts that's come through. It's wiped out our crops. And most of the people in our village are starving. Can you pray that that something would happen for that? So we prayed. We walked through the village, did the whole thing. And we get back to Dakar. And a couple of weeks after that, we get a call from an organization called USAID, who's, who has a headquarters there in Senegal. And they say, hey, guess what uh, we have a very large container full of grain down at the port. And if you guys would like to take some grain back to any of the villages you're working with, you're welcome to do that. So, of course, we're jumping for joy. We run out, fill up uh, a couple pickup trucks and take about two tons worth of grain out to this village. And we walk into that village and we present them with the grain. And the first two Christians in the village was the witch doctor and the chief.
1: <laughs>
0: and... God can do amazing things. But see, the thing that is most interesting about this to me is we talk about loving people. And if you listen listen to what God says in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, Jesus says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives a sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, see, that day in the village, we prayed for our enemies. We prayed for Islam and for an Islamic chief and an Islamic witch doctor. And look at what God did just because we had the courage in Christ to pray for him. The Apostle Paul then tells us in Colossians uh, chapter 4, verses 5-6, through six, he says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, what Paul is saying there is real simple. Don't ever let an opportunity slip away to tell somebody about Christ. Never. Because remember what I said earlier on? As soon as you take the step in faith, you give God an opportunity to work. And he will let him do it. We never expected that a Muslim witch doctor would become a Christian. But he did. And he didn't do it because of anything we did other than saying, can we pray for you? And then God did the rest. The third reason to share the gospel is because it is the wise thing to do. Have you ever thought about that in wisdom? Well, Proverbs 11.30 says this, He who is wise wins souls he who is wise wins souls now i I know this i I, i'm not a terribly old guy i'm 44 years old but i know that i'm not terribly wise i try real hard to be but i pretty much fail on a daily basis and things like that but i know this if god said says that it would be wise to win souls i'm all over that i want to be a part of that just tell me where to go because i want to be wise in god's sight. To me, that's more important than wisdom imparted upon me from another man. Fourth reason to share the gospel. And this is a very profound one. Are you ready? Because it will keep people out of hell. Can you get any more profound than that? I mean... We all know about hell. Hell is a terrifying place. I mean, it's full of utter anguish and despair and eternal separation from God. I mean, we can't even imagine how bad that would be. But what's really interesting is Ezekiel 3.18 says, you must warn unbelievers so they may live. If you don't speak out to warn the wicked to stop their evil ways, then they will die in their sin. Again, we're going right back to Love your neighbor as yourself. If we don't share it with them, guess where they're headed? And we already know that. So why would we not want to share it with them? Why would we not want to say something? Finally, the fifth reason to share the gospel is because they may find the love and fellowship of God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Now I can think of no greater gift than salvation to give to someone. I mean, it frees the sinner from sin. It delivers the lost from damnation. It reveals the true and the living God. And I tell people all the time, when I became a Christian, I wasn't looking. I had a great life. I had a wonderful wife. I had two young kids. I had two cars. I had a dog. I had a nice house. I had a mortgage payment. I had a great job. I had the American dream. I wasn't looking for anything. And then I found Christ. And this I will tell you. I have none of that other than my wife and my kids. (laughs) I don't have a house anymore. I don't have a dog. I'd like a dog, but I don't have a dog. Uh, I have a car, but it's broken down. Uh, So most of the stuff I don't even have. But I've never been so happy in my life. Because God came in and changed my heart. And he changed my heart so much, so it's kind of like a guy said. He said, there's a danger with short-term missions. You go, you may never come back. That's what happened. We went and God grabbed a hold of our hearts and he said, Dan and Patty, this is where you're supposed to be. And I thank God every day that I was wise enough to hear him and do it. So I want to share one more video with you. Uh, This is one of my favorite videos. It's not quite as timely as it used to be, but it certainly is evangelism rate related. How many of you like football? Yeah, I I mourn when NFL is done. And when I'm in Africa, one of the hardest things for me is I don't have NFL or anything else other than (laughs) soccer. And so when I came back here, I was excited as you could possibly imagine to be here. I get to watch NFL for a year. I'm so excited. But this video was put together actually by a pastor who was tired of the fact that his church just wanted to sit on Sunday. And he said, you know what? we got to be more than that. we got to do something. We have to bring God's Word to the world. And if we don't do it, who will? And so he made this uh, kind of a unique little presentation of the Gospel. I'll share it with you.
1: Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked at the results. (laughs) We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this come you so hard, you are going to flight. Next is going to think I satellite. You
0: see, as a fish was created to swim in water as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize.
1: The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, tell you, this house has got your name on it.
0: I'm not ready yet.
1: What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, What's you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us, because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the floor and go, do, do, go. Can we
0: talk to you for a minute?
1: I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up. But it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean ah! me! can my class. Detroit, I'll throw you in the trash. Thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up eighty seven percent. I'll never do it again. Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got I just got some more important things I gotta do. Uh-huh.
0: Hey, man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I got to go.
1: Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God so loved the world. He wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ the prize. What's up, baby
0: girl? Nah, I'm busy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're intrigued, as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go, here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist, not too hot, not too cold, perfect for you. Anyway, man, did you hear that talk from that guy the other night? Oh, I know, like we were supposed to be sharing our faith in our coffee shop. Oh, Shut out of the coffee shop, baby! You next? It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall. Oh, that's Old Testament. Old Testament. You know this. Thanks for the coffee, dear. Hey, you're welcome. Have a nice day. Your mama raised you better than this, boy. Don't let me blow you up no more. You see,
0: I think it's fitting because when people have pride, if they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is
1: I knock the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect, Around the corner, perhaps even under your bed. I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere. You just know that I'm always watching. Ready to let a boom on you, baby. Booyah! <laughs> Ouch. Are you ready for game day?
0: The interesting thing about that, gentlemen, pa- Pastor Gray retired from the NFL as a defensive back after nine years with uh, the Detroit Lions. And so he's not a linebacker, but he's a fairly large guy. And uh, went into uh, pastoring. And you can certainly see his heart in there. He made about seven or eight other videos. He has a, uh, the Christmas linebacker and the Easter linebacker. So you can look up the Easter one for coming up. But his basic message is real simple. And I'm fairly sure that if you... Uh, you know, if you, if you don't share the gospel with other people, that there's not going to be this six foot five linebacker that's going to take you out. I'm absolutely positive of that. What I am also positive of is that it will break God's heart. Because that's really one of those things that he has asked us to do. See, he's given everything to each of us through the sacrifice of his son. And we all know that. He made things right when we couldn't. And that blows my mind. He doesn't need our help. But He wants our help. He wants us not only to be in a relationship with Him, but He wants us to be able to sit back and claim that we are playing a role in eternity with Him. So He's really kind of calling us to get involved with His game plan. He doesn't want us to sit around and and just say, Church is all about Sunday, and my relationship with Christ is all about Sunday. It's got to be about more than that. It's got to be about loving Him and loving His people. And if we're truly going to love His people... We have to be willing to step out in faith that Christ will join us as we begin to share His Word. You see, when the Samaritan woman uh, was at the well and and the disciples were right there, Jesus says to His disciples, He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Well, my friends, this is your wake-up call. Because they are ripe for the harvest. In fact, let me share something with you that you might find a little bit unnerving. You see, in the U.S., it's a country that's being attacked by false teachings of Muslims, of Mormonism, of Buddhists, of atheists, of Jehovah's Witness, of the Church of Scientology, and that's just to name a few. In fact, the U.S. is in trouble. The number three mission-sending country in the world is South Korea. And they have targeted the United States as their number one field. That's unnerving to me. Because it says that the Christians have lost the battle on their own field. So I'm going to set out a challenge to all of you. To, to hear what Christ said when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. But we've got to start right here. We've got to start on the other street of Applewood on both sides. Start in our own house, our neighbors, our workplaces. But I want you to think about this. What about all those people in your family that don't know Christ? Or how about the people you work with? Or the people that you go out to dinner with? Or your friends? Or the people you go to school with? How many of them don't know Christ? Because we're surrounded with people in our lives that have no hope, that have no joy, and they have no promise for our future. So my question to you is, what are you going to do about it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise You for this wonderful day. Father, that we can all come together and worship You. What a joy it is to our heart. And Father, I thank you for your word, that there is so much truth in your word. And Lord, if we would just be willing to listen and set aside our, our selfish pride, that we can be a part of kingdom building, that you planned it that way, that you want it to be that way, that even though you don't need our help, your desire is for us to be a part of it because you know the joy that it will bring to our heart. So, Father, I just pray that you would give all of us the courage that we need to take that first step of faith. When we're confronted with someone, someone that we care about, or even somebody we don't know, or even our enemy, Lord, that you would give us the courage to pray for them, to speak to them, to share your word, Lord. And, Father, how can we resist that temptation? Or how can we resist not doing that? Because we have that self-assurance, Lord, that you will be with us. So give us the courage to not rely on our own selves, but to rely on the power of Christ, Lord. Father, I just pray that you bless this day. And as we leave here, Lord, that we may bless you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.